be of Alice and Wonderland quality if this administration were to sanction him to investigate himself. I never had meetings with Russian operatives or Russian intermediaries about the Trump campaign. I have recused myself uh, in the matters uh, that deal with the Trump campaign. We will give the men and women of America's armed services the resources you need to keep us safe. It's time to make America great again. Join the movement. Caruso, the Neil A. Caruso Show Podcast. Time to dream big. Informative, insightful, and valiant leadership. Telling it the way it is to make a difference. All right, Thursday, March 2nd, 2017, the Neil A. Caruso Show Podcast. Uh, Wow, what a day for news. Um, The cycle changed about five times throughout the day, uh, not that I was keeping track or anything, but on a day like today, in the way that our uh, our media environment is, with social media playing a big factor with all of the cable outlets, and then of course the, um, uh, the major news outlets and uh, newspapers and all the print editions and all of that, um, the news changes literally by the minute today. So if you woke up this morning after last night and we at the tail end of recording the podcast got the news about um, the Washington Post broke the story about uh, Senator or then Senator Jeff Sessions now Attorney General. I keep calling him Senator Sessions because it just rolls off the tongue but Attorney General Sessions having contact with Russian ambassadors. That was Washington Post breaking news. What is the you know, out there's outrage immediately um, without even reading the story and looking into it. Um, then you had this morning, Senator Sessions going to his car. He was scheduled to speak today um, in Virginia uh, at a big uh, conference. Um, uh, Jim Comey also was there. We're going to uh, talk about that later on. Uh, we had a powerful interview, in fact, with uh, retired immigration agent Michael Cutler. He came to our studio today. And uh, this evening, and we recorded an interview that you'll see in parts on Sunday's show, and it'll be part of a larger uh, feature about immigration in the local community. But um, that'll be later on. Senator Sessions, or excuse me, Attorney General Sessions, um, this morning going to his car, MSNBC caught him and asked him a couple questions, and he was very clear. You heard in the in, uh, in the intro, although that was from his press conference later in the day. Uh, he said, I did not have contact with the Russians about the campaign. And it is what he said under oath, in fact. And I will get into the details. Um, So there's outrage right away. There is concern. Later on, Trump is uh, visiting with the Navy. And um, he said that, uh, that he has full confidence in Jeff Sessions one of his top surrogates, one of his original surrogates um, of the campaign. And then you have 
later on, I mean, you, you know, you have all the Democrats coming out throughout the day. You have Chuck Schumer, you heard him there. There was a clip, I couldn't fit it in the intro, but he, uh, he said, I have a pit in my stomach. Uh, yeah, Pelosi out there ask, uh, calling for his resignation. Now, remember, all of the Democrats did not want him to be attorney general. However, they didn't want anyone to be in the Trump cabinet. They are still obstructing and not allowing Trump to do his job. And I'm going to talk about what Schumer wants, which goes to show you what I talked about yesterday in my outrage over Obama's involvement indirectly. But I want you to hear what Senator Sessions had to say, and then we'll go over the facts, what we actually know, and the details. But first, here is Attorney General Jeff Sessions today in a press conference. Take a listen. Let me share a few thoughts. Uh, first, about the comments that I made to the committee that have been uh, said to be incorrect and false. Let me be clear. I never had meetings with Russian operatives or Russian intermediaries about the Trump campaign. And the idea that I was part of a, quote, continuing exchange of information during the campaign between Trump surrogates and intermediaries for the Russian government is totally false. Uh, that is the question that Senator Franken asked me uh, at the hearing, and that's what got my attention as he noticed it noted it was uh, the first it just breaking news and it got my attention and that is the question I responded to I did not respond by referring to the two meetings one very brief after a speech and one with two of my senior staffers professional staffers uh, with the Russian ambassador in Washington where no such things were discussed in my reply to the question, my reply to the question of Senator Franken was honest and correct as I understood it at the time. I appreciate that some have taken the view that this was a false comment. That is not my intent. That is not correct. I will write the Judiciary Committee soon, today or tomorrow, to explain this testimony for the record. Secondly, at my confirmation hearing, I promised that I would do this. If a specific matter arose where I believed my impartiality might reasonably be questioned, I would consult with the department ethics officials regarding the most appropriate way to proceed, close quote. That's what I told them at the confirmation hearing. I have been here just three weeks today. A lot has been happening uh, in this three-week period. I wish I'd had more of my staff on board, but we're still waiting for confirmation for them. Uh, much has been done, much needs to be done, and, but I did and have done as I promised. I have met with senior officials shortly after arriving here. We evaluated the rules of ethics and recusal. I have considered the issues at stake. In fact, uh, on Monday of this week, uh, we set a meeting with an eye to a final decision on this question. And on Monday, we set that meeting today. So this was a day that we planned to have a final discussion about handle this. 
I ask for their candid uh, and honest opinion about what I should do about uh, uh, investigations, certain investigations. And my staff recommended recusal. They said that since I had involvement with the campaign, I should not be involved in any campaign investigation. I have studied the rules and considered their comments and evaluation. I believe those recommendations are right and just. Therefore, I have recused myself uh, in the matters uh, that deal with the Trump campaign. Okay, so there you have it. Uh, Jeff Sessions, the Attorney General at the Justice Department, earlier recusing himself from the case. Now, number one, I'm glad that he did recuse himself, and I'll tell you why. Uh, because of two reasons. Number one, I'm all in favor of making sure that the Justice Department and that uh, our justice system in general is not politicized because it shouldn't be. It should be independent. Number two, I'd be a major hypocrite in being a major um, critic of the way the Hillary Clinton case was handled and has been handled by the former administration. So those are two reasons. Now, speaking of being hypocritical, the Democrats have Senator Schumer today, and I'm not going to play the clip because, frankly, I, I can't stand listening to him. He's, uh, it'll just be a waste of time in the podcast, and you're just going to get bored and turn it off. And, frankly, I don't blame you if, if you got to listen to Schumer for two minutes and then Pelosi and then Elizabeth Warren and, you know, on and on and on and on. Um, Pocahontas! So, um, the, so Schumer comes out. He says that, well, he should at the very least recuse himself. He should resign. He's calling for the deputy attorney general, which I guess now is actually the case, which I don't agree with because they know their motivation, and Schumer even said it. The deputy attorney general now taking over the case is a former Obama staffer. Now, we talked yesterday. What is Obama secretly doing? Well, he, as reported by the New York Times yesterday, last night, that all of the intel leaks are planned by the Obama administration, that they planted, and they want the Trump administration to look in disarray, and they want intelligence leaks, and no intelligence, uh, no intelligence has ever leaked like it has under the, under the Obama administration. They selectively leaked, and they let and they and they let the things that they wanted to out of the bag for political reasons. So they politicized justice, and that's where we are at right now. Okay, in this still a transitionary, we're not through 100 days yet, and what you're seeing is with the Democrats obstructing, and you heard Sessions allude to that. With the Democrats obstructing the Trump cabinet, you have many hundreds of Obama leftovers that do not like Donald Trump and think he is vile and think that he will ruin the country. This is what they think. And so they will do everything in their power to purposely destroy President Donald Trump. It's a fact. The... Washington, D.C. political establishment in general 
did not support President Trump. They do not want him to succeed. And President Obama, who just signed a $65 million book deal two days ago, is has his fingers in the D.C. dough while he's still living there, and he is influencing how this leakage is going on. And he wants this. He wants the Trump administration to look in disarray, and he wants to make sure that his agendas do not get undone. Now, a lot of it has already gotten undone. Obamacare should be repealed and replaced. This month, hopefully, a plan is put out. Um, the other, the hypocritical part of this whole thing is where was Senator Chuck Schumer when it came for recusing Loretta Lynch? She never recused herself after a meeting with former President Bill Clinton on the tarmac talking for, you know, a few minutes about grandkids. Yeah, I'm sure. While a week later, the FBI came out and gave some information on the case. It is very clear, Loretta Lynch being appointed by Bill Clinton, Hillary Clinton promising to keep her on as AG if she became president, Loretta Lynch being a personal friend of the Clintons, Loretta Lynch being involved in the investigation, and Loretta Lynch refusing to recuse herself after having a private meeting with Bill Clinton while his wife was being investigated, just met with the FBI, and was being investigated for the private email server and apparently still ongoing, the Clinton Foundation corruption, taking money from countries that sponsor terrorism and giving millions of dollars and gaining access to the State Department. So where was Senator Schumer when... He cared about justice and cared about not politicizing the Justice Department, caring about fairness in justice. If you care about fairness, then on both sides, you will ask for a recusal. So I agree with Sessions recusing himself ultimately. But he did nothing wrong. And I'll tell you why in, the, in just a second, because I want to make this clear. All the Democrats that are coming out, and Republicans, by the way, that are saying, he, you know, Paul Ryan asked for his recusal. Um, and you had uh, Chaffetz, uh, uh, the House Oversight Committee. Um, all these Democrats that are coming out today asking for him to be fired. Okay, Why do they want that? Because they want it to fall back to an Obama staffer. They can continue to obstruct and allow the justice to be ruled from the left liberal party. Okay? That is not what Americans voted for on November 8th. They voted, and all the polls show, that number uh, top on the list next to national security and the economy was, top voting item, the Supreme Court. They wanted a conservative justice. They wanted law and order. And the past eight years have led to an increase in crime, the inner cities being dismantled by sanctuary cities, sanctuary campuses, the sanctuary campuses all throughout the country. You have 300 jurisdictions here, sanctuary cities, and you have complete lawlessness. You have politi politicizing 
justice, politicizing fairness in our justice system. And a war on police. So, let me get to, and you know, Nancy Pelosi today calling Sessions a liar, okay? And call, actually pronouncing that he was guilty of perjury. The only person that would be guilty of perjury is Hillary Clinton, okay? What, with like a cloth or something? <laughs> I don't know anything about the private email server. <laughs> um... All right, so why did Sessions not do anything wrong? Well, I'll tell you. And he did not commit perjury, and I'll read you the transcript. And I have it in front of me, and I did a lot of research today to get you the facts that you deserve. And Sessions is clean. Sessions, a senior member of the Senate Armed Services Committee, his job title specifically calls for meeting with ambassadors of other countries to meet with his counterparts to ensure justice in the country, to ensure that the United States' interests are preserved. His title as senior member of the Senate Armed Services Committee is required for him to speak with ambassadors. So... On the face of it, he did nothing wrong. Um, he spoke with the Russian ambassador, Sergei Kislak, um, twice. He had more than 25 conversations with foreign ambassadors. Again, his job. This is what he said under oath. The question was, it was about an, a continuing exchange of information during the campaign between Trump surrogates and Sessions said in that clip that I played for you. I guess I'm a surrogate. I did campaign for him twice. Uh, and intermediaries for the Russian government was the question. This is what Sessions responded to in his confirmation hearing. He said, quote, I'm not aware of any of those activities. I have been called a surrogate at a time or two in that campaign, and I did not have communications with Russians, and I'm unable to comment on it, period, end quote, meaning he has classified knowledge. In a subsequent questionnaire issued by Senator Patrick Lee, uh, uh, Lee, Sessions answered no when asked the following. Quote, several of the president-elect's nominees or senior advisors have Russian ties. This is the question. Have you been in contact with anyone connected to or, uh, any part of the Russian government about the 2016 election, either before or after Election Day? Now, this question, by the way... Okay, is very accusatory, and to say that he has senior advisors with Russian ties is really uh, is leaving out a lot of details and and uh, allegations. Sessions said this quote: "I never met with any Russian officials to discuss issues of the campaign. I have no idea what this allegation is about. It's false." Now remember. They went after Sessions, accusing him of being a racist. When he prosecuted the KKK, he made sure that their money source was gone and put a KKK leader on death row in Alabama and ensured his execution when he became the attorney general of Alabama. But according to Democrats, he's a racist. 
Now, this is the latest smear campaign against Sessions. And I talk to people today who know Sessions. And it is a total smear campaign in their view. And I tend to agree. He said that he did not have conversations about the campaign. As a senator, he was required to meet with ambassadors of Russia. And he explained in, a, in the press conference that he had conversations where they went to him to meet with him. They did not bring up the campaign. It was not a question. And if it was, he would not discuss it. Because, number one, he wasn't really on the campaign trail. He did campaign with him twice. Um, and he was a supporter of Trump. That does not mean that he was doing the communications or the inner workings of the campaign. He did not have a campaign email. He was not out on the campaign every day on the stump. He did twice in Alabama. In the primary, in the very beginning, he was the first senator to endorse him, ends in Alabama during the general election. But he did not have communications about the campaign, but his job was to meet with them. So you see, he was doing his job, which I wish senators would do their job. And he's a good man if you look into his record, and we don't have to go into it. We have gone into it on this program when we were talking about his confirmation hearing and that smear campaign. So on the face of it, he was doing his job. He did the right thing and recused himself and said, I don't want any question of being unfair. I don't want any question of um, that I am not doing my job to, uh, to an ethical standard. And see, that's what I appreciate by Sessions. He's saying, you know what? I want to be ethically correct. I will recuse myself. Fine. It's not a fight I'm willing to put up because it's not worth it because I did nothing wrong. And what he said under oath was factual. And what they're trying to do is, you know, pull a Ken Starr investigation here. And they're trying to get to Trump. So you see what these Democrats are doing. Okay. They went after Lieutenant General Michael Flynn. What was he doing? His job. It, now, he lied about it. And that's why he got fired. Sessions at least was honest. And say, you know what? Full disclosure. This is what I did which is my job. I didn't have to disclose that. They're in my public schedules and uh, and they're public record. But I will recuse myself. Fine. I will not do any investigation when it comes and there are apparently four ongoing investigations and let's find out the truth. But I don't have any doubts that President Trump is clean because they would know by now. And frankly, you knew that he was a businessman he doesn't have any businesses in Russia. Again, he had to disclose all that in his financials that are out there. Tax returns would do nothing. The financials have all the details, all the lines. And he disclosed that early on. There's nothing uh, in Russia. Uh, but here's the deal. What they're trying to do, they're trying to impeach Trump. I mean, you have Democrats calling for President Trump's impeachment on the first week of his presidency. It's insanity. Give the guy a chance. And the guy is just trying to keep us safe. And his joint session, and it's a little curious, by the way, because his joint session speech was spectacular. It was nonpartisan. It was non-ideological. It was right on the button with facts. 
and it had strong, positive tone, optimistic, poignant. He praised the Navy SEAL and his widow. He brought out those who suffer from real things. He mentioned a a female who is suffering from a very rare disability that is in a wheelchair that is at Notre Dame and is being uh, able to to, uh, get her education. He showed heart. And what do they do? Just days after that great address, they want to change the narrative, and the news cycle flipped and flipped and flipped today. Um, meanwhile, President Trump, apparently off the record, or not off the record, but uh, off camera, said he supports Jeff Sessions and has full confidence in him. Well, Trump today talked to his troops. He was there uh, at the Navy. Uh, he was in Virginia at the um, uh, Ford, General Ford, US, uh, USS Ford, um, which is a Navy uh, ship named after our uh, 38th president, I believe, off the top of my head, uh, Gerald Ford. And he continued his pledge. By the way, <laughs> it looked like a scene out of Top Gun, the movie, where he comes out there. Now, listen. He came off the plane wearing his red USA hat, as uh, the president hats that he put out there in the transition. The same has the Make America Great Again hat, but it's a USA has 45 on the side of it and an American flag. Comes out off the plane. It was win- By the way, he always wears a cap when it's windy because he doesn't want his hair to blow. I pick up on these things. Uh, he comes out there. He shakes hands. He meets with his troops. And then he goes out there for a speech. He's introduced by uh, a naval member, a director there in Newport News, Virginia. And he comes out with a Navy jacket that they give to all presidents. He said, I'm going to put it right on. And he wore also a Navy cap, a uh, USS Ford uh, Navy cap. And um, he said that he had to wear it because they gave him this beautiful jacket. And he said, we hope, you know, you, you find a place for it. He goes, well, why did I wear it? And uh, it looked like he was wearing a, uh, uh, a flight suit from uh, Top Gun, which actually was a Halloween costume of mine uh, five years ago, something like that, five, six years ago. Um, actually, maybe longer, but one of my favorite movies. But it looked like a, a scene out of Top Gun. Looks like goose up there. And it looked good. The commander-in-chief talked about ending the sequestered on much applause. He said, After years of endless budget cuts that have impaired our defenses, I am calling for one of the largest defense spending increases in history. And by eliminating the sequester and the uncertainty it creates, we will make it easier for the Navy to plan for the future and thus to control costs and get the best deals for the taxpayer which, of course, is very important. And he also has already lowered the cost of fighter jets to make sure that we get the best equipment for lower costs to the government. The Navy is the smallest that it's been since World War One. amazingly. That's terrible. That's a very long time ago, and uh, Trump spoke with Navy and industry leaders discussing his plans to undertake a major expansion 
of the entire naval fleet, including having the 12-carrier navy that we need, he said. And uh, President Trump said that the navy now has 10 carriers, but that will increase to 11 when uh, USS Ford is commissioned later this year. Imagine the smallest it's ever been, and we have more threats every day than ever. And we need our navy. The navy has 274 ships now. At the end of World War II, and a more than 6,700. This is according to the Naval History and Heritage Command. We get more threats every day. We have 274 ships compared to 6,700 at the end of World War II. So Trump put confidence in his military today. Um, also, another thing that uh, that is happening uh, related to Trump and his policies, coal mining is beginning to see a revival. Uh, Trump is giving industry the industry uh, hope. A long-awaited revival underway in uh, central Appalachia, where residents see coal as the one uh, as the once uh, and future king. Trucks are running again. Miners working seven days a week cannot actually keep up with current demand. Coal mines, long dormant after the industry's collapse, are now buzzing again. Um, a longtime supervisor for a major local operation is quoted in this article I'm reading. We load coal every day for the power plant in Virginia City. There's one shipment a week for Georgia Power and one for Tennessee Eastman. And the past month has seen a resurgence of the coal industry that once formed the backbone of the region's economy. And locals are crediting President Trump's aggressive pro-energy agenda. Now, what were they crippled by? Uh, really a slew of factors, changing times and emphasis on renewable energy and the Obama administration's harsh penalties on coal-fired power plants. The area's economy in central Appalachia took a devastating hit. And many of the people living in these mountains had nearly given up hope that the area could ever recover. Uh, the smaller communities in this country in southwest Virginia, such as towns of Appalachia, Pound, and St. Paul, were the hardest hit by the last eight years. The ripple effects were far and wide. But prospects changed overnight as President Trump was elected, saying that he will lift the coal mining industry and get coal miners back to work. And he began good, making good on this pledge last month when he eliminated the stream protection rule which placed layers of regulations on the industry. So already, optimism, the market at all-time highs, and you have these hard uh, blue-collar workers, these hard-working Americans, the backbone of our American economy, the backbone of what we stand for as hard-working Americans. Yeah, well, they're pumped up because now they are getting their jobs back and they couldn't be happier. And not only optimism, but they're seeing a future for their industry and hopefully getting jobs back in the area. And that's in West Virginia. So very good for that community and for that industry. Uh, when we come back, FBI Director Jim Comey. Yeah, remember him? Uh, Mexican drug cartels are fueling the heroin epidemic. This is according to Comey. Um, and we're going to be talking about immigration a little bit. I'm going to play you a clip from my exclusive interview 
with Michael Cutler, retired immigration agent. Uh, really some powerful stuff. So we'll get into all of that. Uh, by the way, one last thing because I just uh, realized that I saw this earlier. You know Colin Kaepernick? Uh, yeah, remember him, the football player? Well, now that he's a free agent, all of a sudden, he's saying, I'm going to stand for the national anthem last year. He took a knee, sparked this whole controversy. Well, he's going to stand next year. I think he wants a job. What do you think? Maybe Trump has a result of of, uh, of his job. I don't know. Not quite sure. Trump creating jobs for football players now? Well, we'll have more. More on the FBI and the drug cartels when we return. The Nearly Crystal Show podcast rolls along already Thursday. We'll continue. Stay classy with Caruso, the Neelay Caruso Show podcast. A ranger station. I'd like to report a bear hug. Okay. I put out my campfire and Smokey Bear hugged me. So you drowned the fire, you stirred it, drowned it again, and felt that it was cold? Uh-huh. Yeah, he's just letting you know you did good. Bear hug from Smokey Bear. Status update. I'm going to let you go now. There are many ways to start a fire, but one sure way to put it out. Learn how you can do your part at SmokeyBear.com. Sponsored by the U.S. Forest Service Ad Council and your state forester. When it comes to saving money, don't act like a baby. Goo goo gaga. Be the boss and make a budget. I'm the boss, baby. You're the boss of me. I am the boss of you. I'm not. M2. I'm not. M2. Need a little help? Aren't you going to do any work? I'm very busy delegating. Create a personalized savings plan. We can share. You obviously didn't go to business school. And get other tools and tips at feedthepig.org. Brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. make age an issue of this campaign. I am not going to exploit for political purposes my opponent's youth and inexperience. President Reagan and neither will you. Passionate talk and real solutions for America on the Neil Caruso Show podcast. Informative, insightful, and valiant leadership. Telling it the way it is to make a difference. NeilACaruso.com all right, we roll along on the Neil A. Crystal Show podcast. So FBI Director Jim Comey today came out and said in a uh, in Glen Allen, Virginia, Mexican cart- uh, drug cartels are fueling the heroin epidemic that is sweeping the U.S. And he said uh, that the cartels are continuing to saturate the country with waves of, quote, highly, highly pure heroin. And now, if you talk about the heroin epidemic, now, I'll tell you a a story. Uh, In New Hampshire, last year, last February, uh, during the primaries, I was there to cover the first uh, primary. And, um, well, that was the first primary that President Trump actually uh, won. And I talked to the hotel manager there where I was staying. Well, I was having coffee at 5 in the morning. And... She told me that people had died from heroin overdoses in that hotel and that the cops are there almost every night. And it is so visible in that community. And it seems to happen in communities where there's nothing going on, where there's no other activity. And people are dying. 
from heroin. There are pounds and pounds coming in through the southern border. And they come from it comes from Mexico because heroin, as uh, Michael Cutler told me today, heroin does not come in. Um, it has to come in through the country because it cannot be made in the U.S. Um, that we just don't have the uh, the ingredients here to make it. So it is imported, and it's a very prosperous industry, which is a problem in getting rid of this. So. Jim Comey said that um, uh, it is a increasingly potent product. What they are doing, they're selling it cheaply in order to seize demand. And in some instances, traffickers have even sold their heroin at a loss in order to gain market share. They create the need for it. And they've been leasing, as I talk about with Mr. Cutler, they've been leasing prescription pills, and there's a big uh, prescription pill uh, addiction, and they lease it with heroin. Production grew 160% from 2013 to 2014, according to DEA estimates. That trend continued from 2014 to 2015, with a 64% increase in opium poppy cultiv- uh, cultivation excuse me, in Mexico. Um, and Comey said drug trafficking is a business, and when you reduce cost of transportation, you're uh, able to lower the price and increase of uh, the purity, according to the CDC, Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, prescription and illicit opioids like heroin accounted for, get this, 33,091 overdose deaths in 2015. We don't know the figures yet for 2016. That figure, which is part of the most recent U.S. overdose data, marks a quadrupling from 1999. And we also see the thousands of pounds of heroin that are being seized in the Mexican border, but it's still coming in anyway. A staggering 1,392% increase. Over 1,300% increase in fentanyl encounters from 2013 to 2015. And law enforcement officers are warning that drug traffickers are leasing heroin and knockoff prescription painkillers with that deadly synthetic unbeknownst to the customer. And it's these drugs are getting to our kids. They're getting addicted, and they're dying. Uh, there was uh, there have been heroin deaths in dormitories as well. Um, I know of one that happened on a uh, Long Island campus uh, a couple of years ago. He overdosed, and he died. And there's actually a court case being handled over, whether his uh, girlfriend is complicit in that, because I believe... She shot him up with it. I don't know the full story, but um, it's a very common case. And this is there's a heroin epidemic sweeping this nation. And it happens where Amsar kids, they start young, they take it, they don't even know it. And once you start, you can't finish. Or you do finish, you die. It's a deadly um, epidemic that's going on. And I talked to this, talked about this. With Michael Cutler today, retired immigration agent, he specialized in um, in drugs at one point. Uh, spent years arresting drug offenders, illegal immigrants uh, that were uh, selling drugs and making profit in this country. So I talked to him about that today in our exclusive sit down. That will be part of it. Will be on Sunday's program on the Neely Caruso Show. 
This is just a clip of that. So listen, here's uh, Michael Cutler. FBI Director James Comey came out today and said that Mexican drug cartels are fueling the heroin epidemic mm -hmm. um, that's sweeping the U.S. Uh, that heroin epidemic here in New York on Long Island out east. Um, also, New Hampshire, it's big, all over the country. Let me tell you, not to interrupt, but I've traveled all over the United States, and because of my background, I'm um, always happy to meet with fellow law enforcement officials. I've been doing ride-alongs and visiting prisons, and wherever I go, the number one story, heroin. Yeah. Gangs and heroin. You'd be astounded. I mean, whether you go to North Carolina, whether you go to Minnesota, whether you go um, to uh, Montana, wherever I've gone, Story after story, South Carolina, heroin. Wow. Heroin overdoses, crimes committed because of heroin. It, we're flooded. And one thing I want your audience to understand, we do not manufacture a single gram of heroin inside the United States. Every single gram of heroin was smuggled into the country. In fact, right. a, a local school, and I forgot which district, announcing that they're providing Narcan and the training and the use of Narcan to yet another public school in this area. Imagine the level of addiction that we're dealing with that public schools, the New York City public school system has provided Narcan to the nurses. So with all that for a backdrop, and think of the damage it does to young lives. Sure. Think of the violent crimes that are committed by people desperate for their fix. So the entire underbelly is rotting, and what's rotting us is addiction to narcotics. So what FBI Director Comey said today was that um, the heroin, they've been lacing it in prescription pills. Mm -hmm. So they actually get them hooked on, well, because they're taking prescription pills, they get them hooked on heroin by lacing the pills, and they say that production of heroin actually grew 160% mm -hmm. from 2013 to 2014. This is according to uh, the DEA. Um, that trend continued the next two years uh, with a 64% increase in um, cultivation in Mexico. So it's coming in. So is it being uh, being produced in Mexico and then coming here in a drug cartel? As far as I know, you know, I was uh, the first immigration agent assigned to the Unified Intelligence Division of DEA back in 1988. In 1991, I was promoted to the position of senior special agent assigned to the Organized Crime Drug Enforcement Task Force. So although I, I, I always carried an immigration badge, I, I spent a good part of my time doing both terrorism as well as narcotics investigations. Uh, it, they're sourcing it from multiple places, but I'm going to guess, and, and I don't have up-to-date information. Sure. I can reach out to sources, though, that most of it is the, the, the brown tar heroin that's coming across from Mexico. Um, and, and these people are among the most pernicious criminals you can imagine. Look, you have uh, El Chapo Guzman being held in Lower Manhattan. He's going on trial in the Eastern District of New York. That's where we are right now. Yes. So if you go to Roosevelt Avenue, you know, originally the Colombians were moving the bulk of drugs into the United States. If you remember the TV series Miami Vice. Sure. I know you're a little young for that, <laughs> but... I remember it quite well, and, and my friends were part of the drug task force back then, the Haida groups, high, uh, high uh, density trafficking. We flooded Florida with the Coast Guard, the Navy. We went after the drug trafficking, so the Colombians could no longer be successful in bringing their speedboats, they call them cigarettes, up from Colombia. So that's when they started cutting deals with Mexico. Uh, we were also prosecuting the leaders of the cartels in Colombia. 
So this way they knew they were giving up a big chunk of their profit, but they were getting security and they were able to successfully get the drugs across the Mexican border. Remember, we're hitting a moving target here. If we make the Mexican border impassable, it will inconvenience the traffickers. It won't stop them. Right. I mean, look, if they have to put it on drones and fly it across the border, they're going to find a way. The financial incentives are beyond anything you could imagine if you don't have a sense of morality. If, right. you're, if you're willing to kill and you're willing to destroy human lives because you're in that kind of a feeding frenzy for wealth, then they will find a way. They have submarines. They, you know, understand they stop at nothing and they don't have to answer to a bureaucracy. That's one of the big problems law enforcement has. As an agent, if I want to take an action, I have to write up an operations proposal. I have to go to my bosses. They've got to go to their bosses. The cartels look at a situation and in 24 hours, they can change the way they're operating. They're not bound by a bureaucracy. They've got a guy in charge who says, this is what we're doing starting tomorrow morning. And they move. Mm -hmm. We want to change direction. The bureaucracy has an awful lot of inertia. We're trying to steer a, a big ship and they're, 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 they're running around in a little canoe basically compared to the inertia they deal with. Right. And these folks are violent. They will stop at nothing. And by the way, back in 1989, when I was assigned to DEA Intel, I did an analysis of arrest statistics. Do you know that in New York City, 60% of the people we were arresting at the DEA task force were foreign born for drug trafficking? That high. That high, New York City. New York also has the greatest number of illegal aliens in the country. They do. So understand the nexus. Smuggling is smuggling is smuggling. To a and that's smuggler, how they make their money. Yes, and to a smuggler, whether he's moving a load of aliens or a load of drugs or both, or using the aliens to conceal the drugs. We've had the heroin swallowers going back to the 70s coming in from Africa. So there you have uh, immigration agent Michael Cutler. Uh, I interviewed him earlier today. We were able to meet up in person today and interview and uh I, it was uh, about an hour long. We're going to cut it up to highlights for Sunday's program. Um, but it's going to be part of a larger feature that I'm working on about immigration because it's so intertwined. Um, and it affects, it's not only drugs, and it's not only terrorism. And it's, uh, it's not only those two things that's the biggest thing that, yes, President Trump is talking about. It also is intertwined in education. It's intertwined with health care. It's intertwined uh, into the economy. It affects each and every one of us. And illegal immigration is a problem because they just label them as undocumented when some of them do have documentation. We just don't look at it. Um, and it's it could be very dangerous when you're having people in the country that we don't know who they are. They may be great people. And this is what we talk about, uh, Mr. Cutler, and you'll see on Sunday. They may be great people, and a lot of them are, and they should be in our country, but they went about it the wrong way. Now we have, we do have to vet. We have to have a system because, unfortunately, too many lives have been lost to continue to make this mistake over and over again. And, interestingly, the politicians' the establishment is the problem because they're making money off of illegal immigration. Indirectly, maybe. Directly in some cases. But the illegal immigration has become actually an industry. And it's bought politicians silence for years. And it is it is a problem. And it's something that President Trump brought to the forefront at the beginning of his campaign. And without him bringing up the wall, 
We wouldn't be talking about it. Let's face it. It wouldn't be a conversation. And that's a problem because you're having people die at the hands of illegal immigrants. It's preventable. And we need to strengthen our immigration system because we need immigrants. We need legal immigrants. But we need to strengthen it so that those people come in here and can actually benefit society in great ways. Uh, by the way, the Department of Homeland Security report came out today that they found, they just found this $20 million they just came across to redirect uh, to the border wall, uh, which is a multi-billion dollar uh, thing. Uh, $20 million they just came across. But who's going to pay for the wall? Mexico is going to pay for it, aren't they? Uh, Friday podcast tomorrow will wrap up the week. Um, and boy, a lot going on. I have no idea what the lead story is going to be on Sunday because every day it just changes. But we're with you every day. So don't go anywhere. We'll see you tomorrow. God bless you. God bless America. The Neil A. Caruso Show podcast is a production of Caruso Enterprises. Engaging, informing, and entertaining. Passion-driven, factual content that makes a difference following Neil A. Caruso on social media. And log on to neilacaruso.com to sign up for Caruso's comments, newsletters, and be the first to know.